It's Micah McCaw. It's Jordan McCaw. And we're the two hosts of... The McCaw Podcast Universe. The only podcast to that exist, exist. To prove people wrong when they, they say sequels are never better than, than the originals. And today we are jumping into a brand new series. It's a trilogy of films. And it the this is like the first time we've even gone into this genre before on this podcast. What is the series called? The series is called the Before Trilogy. Okay. Today we're covering Before Sunrise. <laughs> Next week it's Before Sunset. And the week after that, Before Midnight. Okay. And these movies are about as interesting as movies get. Yeah. And we're cu- these are romance movies. Mm-hmm. So we've gone... We, last week we talked about Bane. This week <laughs> we're talking about a date. This is this movie is the quintessential slice of life movie. Mm-hmm. It is quite the sliver of it. Yes. This this is this beautiful movie that captures a feeling. Uh-huh. Uh more than most movies. It's all about a feeling and and it doesn't ah, it's so 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 good mm-hmm. um what what is your first experience with this movie i can't remember i i saw this a couple of years ago for the first time it was before we were married mm-hmm. um and i i'm i know that i watched it because i think you you told me about it and you were surprised i'd never seen it i'd never even heard of it and it yeah. probably was around the time i saw boyhood if i'm thinking about it that makes sense um and then I watched it, and I loved it. And that, this is the only one I've seen of the trilogy. Yeah, so this... Yeah, I, I, this is a movie. It doesn't have, like, big box office. None of the movies do. It's it, jokingly... Do his movies often? No. Okay. No, they usually do well, yeah. but not, like, explode. I, I mean, School of Rock did really well. Um, I will never remember <laughs> that, that he, he directed did that movie. That, yeah. um, and by the way, it's Richard Linklater is yeah. the director. That's who we're talking about. Um, and also, um, I think Boyhood did really well. I mean, it no, had all it, that it did. It did. Yeah. Oscar nominations and stuff like that. So, um, and, uh, and a couple, one or two wins, I think. He just, he really is interested in the human experience. I mean, no one can capture Jack Black the way he did, but honestly, he is just really attuned i think to what makes people human mm-hmm. he is it's jesus really it's i think it is so hard to make a slice of life movie it is so yeah. hard every time i watch one i'm like oh i would love to write something like this one day and it's just like i don't think i could yeah i don't i but but it's just like greta gerwig's really good at it too yeah and it's so impressive to me well what's kind of interesting is we I didn't realize this till now, but we actually went from a filmmaker who's obsessed with time, Christopher yeah. Nolan, and we're to now another one who is. <laughs> he's the blockbuster. Yeah. And Richard Linklater is the indie guy. Yeah. Um but it, so We this, totally planned that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um so this series, I had always seen it on like top two fifty movies. Yeah. And so I eventually, you know, I was like, okay, let me see it i got it from the library i think and i watched the first movie and i just I loved it mm-hmm. and then i think later that week i watched a second one and i liked it even more mm-hmm. and then i think it took a little while but i got a hold of the last one and i loved it yeah. like they're all so good and um if you are if you don't 
aren't aware, we'll talk about this more as we go along in the series, but there are nine years in between each movie. Yeah. And when they finished this movie, there was no intention of them making a, a sequel of any kind. It was like, which makes sense. It's self-contained. The way it ends, it makes sense that that's it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you get some quotes from Linklater for the second movie about oh, yeah. why he wanted to make another one. I already know a little bit, but I don't want to talk about yeah. it on this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is it is wild because they keep on making these movies and um, that they joked that this is like the lowest grossing franchise of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Because it doesn't really make any money. Yeah. But um, they make enough to make another one. Um, yeah. But let's talk a little bit about who is involved in this. Um, we have Richard Linklater as the director. So I think each episode I'll kind of walk through what he's done up to the movie we're covering. Okay. So um, the first movie he makes, he does it. So he's from Austin, Texas. Yeah. And he is he is one of like the indie uh pillars so of american he friends with Wes filmography anderson? probably actually because he's austin too right yeah well i don't remember where in texas but it's texas yeah <laughs> i know it's a big state but um that would make a lot of sense they seem to be the, around the same age and they have for as different as their movies are they uh, they do share a lot in common uh-huh um, yeah so link later makes an eight i believe it's an eight mil- no 16 millimeter i believe movie and it's on youtube i was gonna try and watch it before i just didn't have time but it's called impossible or it's impossible to learn to plow by reading books and it's a very slice of life yeah um i think he is the star of it just oh, like interesting walking around um he also wrote slacker and directed that and then the next movie he makes is dazed and confused mm-hmm. so dazed and confused is his third movie which we w- watched recently for the first time, and that is like one of the great American movies. Yeah, that I when we watched that, my expectations, having known, oh, the only thing I knew about the movie was Matthew McConaughey saying, "All right, all right, all right." Yeah, that's all I knew, and I thought I was going to be kind of like a Bill and Ted's mo- type of movie, like really just dumb. And I've not, I don't mean hey. dumb in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, I hope you know what I mean. I also haven't seen that movie, but. That's what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. No, just very much slice of life and nostalgic, like yeah. hardcore. And and that movie too is like it takes place over like a day ish. Uh-huh. Um, which again oh, that's is the best to choose just a moment in a person's life. Yeah, and that that is what he is like absolutely brilliant at. Is yeah. he just takes like a time period and explores it in someone's life. Um, and and so he does that movie. That is your birth of Matthew McConaughey yeah. without. Without Days and Confused, we don't have Matthew. So he's also got a young Ben Affleck in that movie. Young Ben Affleck. I think he'd still be able to to do stuff without it. Without that movie, yeah. I don't know though. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a Ben Affleck expert, but um, what's yeah. what is wild is um, I don't know if you remember, but when Matthew McConaughey won his Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, he grabs his Oscar, and the first thing he said when he got it is he said all right all right all right oh yeah that's he did say that which is great because it's like an ode to that yeah that's cool um he has like the worst hair in that movie and he wears salmon colored pants with cowboy boots it's kind of wild in which movie days and confused okay i was like i think dallas buyers club he's wearing jeans he's (laughs) just got such a vibe going on in that movie yeah it, it makes sense that uh, other directors would see his performance in that movie and be like, oh, this guy has got something. It's great. 
It's like, so good. Everyone's so good. And even the kids. It's, it's such it's, a movie star, though, I will already. always be so impressed when you can get such good performances out of kids. That's true. Especially the, the like, 14-year-old guy. When he... The, yeah. It's yeah, just, he's he really good. He so good at playing the character that he was playing. Yeah. You'd have to see it to know what I'm talking about. But, yeah. If, if you enjoy these movies, I think it would be pretty weird if you didn't enjoy Days and Confused. Sure, yeah. That would be... My, I mean, maybe you're not a Linklater person, but I'd be sort of surprised if anyone doesn't like Before Sunrise or Sunset. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he makes that, and then his fourth movie is Before Sunrise. So this wow. is his fourth movie. I mean, that's how a young pretty, was he when he made this movie? Uh, let me see. This movie came out in 1995. 1995, and, and he was born in 1960. Okay. So 35? 34 probably when they're filming it. Okay. Um, well. Just curious. Okay. But um, yeah, he he founded the Austin Film Society, and then he started to get a, a um, cult following after he made Slacker, his second movie. What is Slacker? Um, it's just about, I think it's, it's about him, Slackers? Just like, it's another like slice of life kind of movie. Okay. Um. And he made that movie for $23,000. Wow. And so that kind of gives him the cachet to do Days and Confused. And then he goes on to do Before Sunrise. So now this movie is written by Richard Linklater and Kim Kryzan, uh-huh. who acted in Slacker and Days and Confused. Who is she in Days and Confused? I can't remember. Okay, wait. Oh, she's a teacher. Miss oh, Stroud. Okay. She's the teacher? A teacher. I think there's only one female teacher in the movie. Yeah, so that history teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she act yeah, she acted in cool. those and then she wrote this mm-hmm. and then she gets a story of credit in before sunset. Okay. Um, but other than that, she doesn't really have much of a career in show business. Mm-hmm. Um, but Link later thought it was important when he was coming up with this idea that he had a female mm-hmm. right female, a woman <laughs> writing, whatever. Yeah. Um, because he didn't want it to be just like a male it yeah. can't be yeah. a male dominated movie. Otherwise you lose like half everything. of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um the music is by Fred Frith, and I didn't know a single thing that he uh okay. did. Um the cinematography is by Lee Daniel, who is a Link Later guy and has done most of Linklater's movies. The movie comes out January 27th, 1995. It has a $2.5 million budget, and domestically it makes $5 million.2, um, and worldwide it makes $417 million. So, Whoa, um, what? Uh, I'm sorry, $417,000. Okay, okay, okay. So, so it basically makes um, little under $6 million. It makes a lot of money back based on the budget. Yeah. I mean, if you do do movies with that low of budgets, then you yeah. can pull that off. Um, it took him nine months to cast Ethan Hawke and Delby. Really? Um, because he wanted to make sure that it was right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay. Did you see any other possibilities that you believed weren't just dumb trivia? I never really pay attention to those. Okay, so I, I, just would I, be, I would be curious. I don't think that it was even listed, really. Okay. Um, okay. But I don't really like those usually because yeah. it just feels but like someone's like making this, it up. I would be interested. Yeah. But um, it was it was very interesting because Ethan Hawke, who we know before this did Dead Poets Society, he was 
when he was in, I don't know who directed Dead Poets off the top of my head. Um, Do you want but, me to look it up? No. Okay. Um, but he was basically told, like, write journals as this character be this character uh-huh. contribute to the dialogue and and the director encouraged all the actors to do that so one of his first major oh cool roles he was kind of writing you know uh-huh. and so when he, when he went on to do other movies he was kind of confused that like oh you don't do that that's like uncommon uh-huh you just um, show up and say your lines yeah and most yeah. most actors are a little more like so so Linklater also when he's trying to cast he's telling actors like this will be very collaborative. I will you will be writing a lot of your stuff. Uh-huh. And that's scaring a lot of actors away. Yeah. But he comes to Ethan Hawke and Ethan Hawke's like absolutely. Yeah. Like I want this. Yeah. He sounds perfect for it. And so Hawke and Delpy are have uncredited writing in this movie. Cool. Cool. Um cuz they would spend time in a hotel the three of them and they would just like write a scene. Uh-huh. And my understanding of the script of this movie is it was very loose it, it, and and it would be mm-hmm. the kind of thing where it would say like they go to the coffee shop and they experience an intimate moment oh, and then okay. it's like okay this week we're shooting that scene let's talk about what we're going to talk about in that That's scene very cool so it's um it's a lot and and we'll see as we go that the movies become more and more personal be- yeah, and and I bet um Hawk and Delpy like they have writing credits in the next two movies. Okay. And they contribute even more than this one. Okay. Which they contribute a lot to. Um, so, do you want to know about the inspiration of this movie? Yes. Richard Linklater was just... Did he have this experience? He was out in Philadelphia. And so, not Vienna. Not exciting. <laughs> no. And he went to a toy shop uh-huh. and... He was just like hanging out at a toy shop, I guess. Well, that's suspicious. <laughs> I'm sure there was a reason, but yeah. And he was, um, he met this woman mm-hmm. and um, he like left the toy shop, but they kind of had a little bit of a connection. Uh-huh. And then he thought, you know what, what the heck? And he asked her when she got off and it was like 10 or something like that. And then they walked around Philadelphia like all night long and just talked. And like, that's the only moment he had with this woman. That's the only moment he had with this woman. Wow. And then I'll leave a little, there's Mystery? more to the story that we're going to find out up. later. Shut it. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Wow. Because that's pretty much all he knew. And then in 2010, he gets a letter and learns more about the situation. Is he a dad? No. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's uh, well, I'll just tell you because okay. it, it sounds like you're thinking it's very positive. Um, so he got a letter um, and he was told that the woman died in a, at a motorcycle accident like 10 years later i don't know when oh i thought you said that but in 2010 he got this letter okay okay and it was like he got the letter and the letter was kind of like hey um and by then they would have made the second movie wow um so so he got this letter and the person's like hey you know i don't i might be stepping out of bounds here but i don't i i've kind of put together by your movies and like knowing her name was Amy, like Amy, that you, this might have been you and this might have been this experience you've talked about. So I just thought you should know. Wow, that's really sad. It is, it is. But um, yeah, so that's certainly interesting. I wonder how that influenced the third movie. Who knows? <laughs> Not you me. haven't seen it. <laughs> um, and part of the reason why they put it in a foreign country, because when you're traveling, 
you're much more open to experiences outside your usual realm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, after much discussion, they wrote the screenplay in 11 days. Delpy told Creative Screenwriting, quote, Ethan and I basically rewrote all of it. There was an original screenplay, but it wasn't very romantic, believe it or not. It was just a lot of talking rather than romance. Richard hired us because he knew we were writing and he wanted us to bring that romance to the film. We brought the those romantic ideas and that's how I wrote something that actually got made without really getting credit for it. But if I had written before Sunrise and been credited, then I doubt it would have been financed. Hmm. Um, and I think... Oh, yes, yes. So the mo- this you'll love this, Jordan. The movie takes place on June 16th and this is the same date that James Joyce's novel Ulysses takes place which follows Leopold Bloom around Dublin for one day. Wow. And June 16th is celebrated as Bloom's Day. Wow. So there's a little meta stuff there. And Linklater left out subtitles in the opening sequence with the arguing Germans. Yeah. Um, The woman is reading in his newspaper, or the man is reading in his newspaper how 70,000 women are addicted to alcohol. The script translated the squabble as follows. You're one of them, he says to his wife. She volleys back saying, he's the alcoholic. I have a reason to do it. I'm married to you, he retorts. <laughs> so that's that's the notes I got on the movie. Okay. Kind of fun learning what the Germans are arguing about because yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Um, hit me with those actors. So Julie Delpy plays Celine. Um, she started acting in 1978 as her first credit. Oh, well... But it seems like she really gets going in 1985. Um, I haven't seen her to my... I mean, I haven't really she's looked. A, I mean, she's a French actress. Yeah, she's a, I mean, she's in a lot of stuff, though. She's not yeah. just a French actress. I mean, like, to do French movies. She's mm-hmm. she's broken out in a lot of other stuff. Um, that being said, though, early on in her career, like, when, when this movie got made, I don't know where she was at. So it's, like, mm-hmm. been 10 years since she's been acting. But I don't know how big of a breakout she was yet at that yeah. point is what i'm saying but um so she's also in the other two movies that are going to come out she's also in broken flowers the hoax guilty hearts the countess um she's in avengers age of ultron what she's madame b who's that i have no idea never heard of the name so i mean they even got her <laughs> um yeah and then ethan hawk uh, his character name is Jesse. Oops. Um, he is in uh, Training Day. He's also in Boyhood that we had mentioned. Oh, yeah. He's in that movie Tesla that I wanted to see that came out last year. Oh, yeah. I think that's on Hulu. We should watch that. It looked very interesting. It did. Um, Looks like it's either a huge home run or an absolute strikeout. Yeah. And sometimes... And I'm willing to take the chance. Yeah, me too. Um. He's in, oh, famously The Purge. <laughs> yeah. And Sinister. He's in Sinister. And First Reformed. First we Reformed. We must not forget about which that Which was such a good movie, people. Watch that movie. Jordan went into a daze. She looked out the window and her <laughs> eyes went dead. But yeah, he is very successful. He's been in very incredibly indie things, like what we're talking about today, to very popular things. Love that he has done quite a bit of horror in his yeah. career. Very cool. Um, and he also, to blow anyone's minds, because I just think it's fun, was with Uma Thurman for a time. 
Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember if they were married or not. I think they were. Okay. Um, and their daughter is has since kind of had her breakout. Um, she is in Stranger Things season three. Yep. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Robin Hawk. I Robin Hawk. Yeah, her that's her first yeah. name. Yeah. Um, just fun. Or no, Maya. Is it Maya? It's Maya. It's Maya. Yeah. Hawk. I think her name in Stranger Things is Robin. Oh, okay. I think, okay. but I'm not sure. Um, she's great. She's so good. She's got and she a looks lot a lot of like her mom. Ahead of her. Yeah. Um, and another thing I want to say about Ethan Hawk though is I I I love 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 Ethan Hawk. I think he always brings it. Um, but what's cool about him is if you if you scroll through and look at his career, he is not afraid to risk. And it feels like every time he he takes a role, it is like a risky role. He's not in the he is very much an artist. He is not in this to make a paycheck. Um, he wants to push things. And I think this movie is a big testament to that. Um Yeah. I mean I guess it's pretty early in his career, but yeah. If, if definitely you, if you star in Dead Poets Society and Robin Williams is telling you to seize the day as an actor for probably you know, 20, 30 takes, you're probably going to take that to heart, even though you were acting. <laughs> yeah. Also, we got to watch Daybreaker still, because I got to know if that's a good movie still. Is that a vampire that's movie? That's the vampire movie that he's in, and I just remember it really enjoying it. Uh-huh. But I don't know if it's actually a good movie, but it's also got Willem Dafoe and Sam Neill. Oh, it's got to be at least crazy. fun. I just remember the world building being really good. Yeah. What what's so, the I'm forgetting the cool sci-fi movie he's in with Uma Thurman. Oh, Gattaca. Gattaca. Oh, a classic. I mean, that's a great That's movie. a classic sci-fi movie. People. Yeah. If you haven't seen Gattaca, what are you doing? He I, it's just crazy cuz all those movies you mentioned, the ones that have that I've seen, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I love that movie." Like uh, yeah. like all of the he's just he's one of my favorites. I'm totally, always like yeah. so excited when he's in it. Um I'd love to see him in Marvel. I don't know who he could play, but he'd be great. He'd be so good. He'd be awesome. Oh, he's so good. Um, so should we jump in? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the movie begins, and we are on a train headed toward Vienna. And there is this German couple that we've kind of already discussed, but they're arguing very loudly. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of this movie starting with an arguing couple. Mm-hmm. And this causes um, Celine Celine to move. Yeah. So if not for the German couple arguing, she would never have moved. Yeah. Which kind of plays into this whole idea that this is just like a coincidental moment that just seemed to happen. Later on in the movie, when they're in the coffee shop, she had mentioned almost wanting an excuse to move. That's true. Because she saw a cute boy. That's true. So she goes and she sits on the train uh, right next to Ethan Hawke's character, Jesse. Across from him. Across from him, yeah. The big difference, Micah. And they begin to speak a little bit. Uh-huh. And then it causes her to kind of join him because they go to, like, the dining car. Yeah. And what follows is <laughs> what will be very difficult to talk about, and you're looking at me so intensely. I am? And I need I need you to you, I need you to latch on to some stuff and jump into oh, some stuff. You're floundering. I'm floundering a bit. Well, uh, the first thing they're talking about is if he if she knows what they're talk the arguing couple are talking about. Yeah. Um, 
She doesn't because she doesn't speak German very well. But they do, he does invite her to go to the lounge car. And while there, um, they just start talking about... Uh, it seems like they are, are not people who can do small talk. And yeah. it's just kind of immediately they have, an, uh, have a connection. And they're talking about very deep things about life. And you do hear that Ethan is 23. I'm just assuming that she's around the same age. Although I don't know if it's said. She could be a little bit younger. She's still in school. She is 23. She is 23 as yeah, well. Yeah, she says she's 23. Okay. Um, so she is going back to Paris. She was visiting her grandmother in Budapest. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to school. He uh, is, at this point in the story, just on holiday, a long solo holiday in Europe. Yeah. And he's going to Vienna because he's flying out of Vienna tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the lounge car... They, they, I mean, I can't remember exactly like the first thing they talk about, but you know, they talk about like death. She talks about having parents who are so supportive, but are very practical. And that's been a, a struggle with her in her life where, you know, she says that she wants to be an artist or a writer and her parents are saying, oh, you can be a journalist. You can be a veterinarian. You can be a newscaster, not just a yeah. whimsical artistic thing. And he's talking about you know, the first time he really understood death. These are just what I remember that jumped out to me, but um, he believes that he saw the ghost of his great grandmother and like a guard, like in, in water pretty much through, through a stream of water and his parents telling him like, no, when people die, they're just gone. But you know, it's like, but I believe what I saw. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's a little bit of an introduction into these characters. For me, it's like, I can't, not quite sure, like, if I figured, like, both of them out yet. Yeah. You know, but it ends with the the train stops in Vienna. He's getting off. He leaves. He comes back a second later and says, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. But hear me out. Yeah. And it's the way he presents it. It's so real. He genuinely looks embarrassed. He does. but it is, it's it is crazy. like, if I don't do this, I will regret it for the rest of my life. And I think you will too. He, he basically says, consider it, consider it a favor to wh- whoever your future husband is so that you can know in your brain and your that, heart and your what heart this like, is like, at least I gave that a shot. So I'll never wonder what if. Yes. And oh my gosh, it's like, <laughs> this is, uh, this is fulfilling a lot of people's like fantasies, you know? Yes. And, yeah. and like, I mean, he's just saying things that a lot of people have felt in mm-hmm. their life. And a lot of what they talk about is a lot of what I will speak for myself have personally felt or thought at some point, like when I was 23. Uh-huh. So, so, so let, yeah. let, let me just say, um, so we're 27. So we're like in between, um, the age they're in, in this movie and the age they will be in, in the next movie. Um, I just want to say that because I think it's important mm-hmm. yeah. that when I first watched this movie, like all their conversations, I was just like, yes, this is, this is like fight club. It's blowing my mind and I'm, agree- <laughs> I'm agreeing with everything they're saying. And I'm thinking, I mean, to an extent, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. Oh, I, that's really interesting and stuff. And, um, I will say one little worry I had, um, not a big one, but I thought maybe I'll watch this movie and just kind of roll my eyes at the conversations because it's a bunch of young naive kids talking and Mm -hmm. sometimes there are movies that are when you see them especially especially just like right out of high school and you're in college or Mm -hmm. in that age you know there's a lot of movies that i saw then that i was like this is it guys like this movie they just say it or they have this conversation or they think this about death is 
Um, but then I watch it now and I'm like, oh, this uh, this movie like doesn't get it. No, I think that <laughs> this what... is an immature movie. But this yeah. movie, yeah. Um, I it, the words I would use are it's like a naive maturity that they have. Yeah, I think it. They are in such a unique moment in their lives. Being 23, she is still a student, but he hasn't talked about school. So, you know, he's not a student. Mm -hmm. He is like an adult now. Um, I mean, she is too. But she also talks about how like, you know, I think a reason why I've continued uh, being in school is because it's just something I can expect. Yeah. There, and so it's like she has her own interesting reasons for being still being a student at 23. Yeah. Um, I think this movie is like, it's so earnest that because I, I'm watching this again I think the first time I watched it I must have been around 23 the first time I watched this movie yeah. and I'm the same as you all of it was just like whoa 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 they're like it feels like speaking my language in some ways yep. about how I feel about life now it is a little cringy but personally it's a little cringy yeah because I have got a little bit older hopefully a little bit wiser and it's hearing some things it's like Oh, you in a couple years you'll figure that out. Yeah, but but you're so you think you're so sure about it right now, and that's the beautiful thing of it. This is like a time capsule, exactly. Of that age, yeah. Um, and and I I was so to kind of finish my thought though, I I did not find it really cringy at all, and yeah. I, I didn't find it. Um, I found it a lot less relatable, but it felt nostalgic now. Yeah. Like sometimes a movie that has those statements, you go back and you watch it and you're like, ugh, I used to think that or oh, like totally. I thought this was yeah. cool. But I watch this and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, you know what's so good? I remember being that kid. Yeah. And what's so good about this movie too is it's not full of one-liners of, yeah. of like, of to capture a feeling. It's not like, and I like the book and I do think it's a good movie, but it's not like Perks of Being a Wallflower when he's talking about feeling infinite. Like that, it's not, right. it's much uh, more human well not human it's, it's just much more like down to earth and i would just even say generally relatable than that and i think that's just different filmmakers i don't even think yeah. that one's like i'm not yeah. saying perfect yeah. wallflower is bad because it's not no and it also is capturing a different age as totally. well um i i do think that the what benefits this movie a lot though is the fact that there's four writers uh-huh yeah. Um, and there's all these different perspectives because especially Ethan Hawke and, and uh, Julie, Julie, Delpy. Julie Delpy being able to write a lot of what they say. It's just so earnest and it doesn't feel like there is one. It doesn't feel like Aaron Sorkin's behind the screenplay navigating it no. to get to a certain point. No, no, no. Which is not a bad thing, but this movie shouldn't be that. No, a lot of it, there is no point. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's being 23, you know, yeah. that's the beautiful part that they really capture in this movie. And so seeing this movie a second time around older. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing it as a woman, you know, through my experience, uh -huh. what I see in Ethan Hawke's character is he's pretty insecure and has got kind of a big ego. Mm -hmm. But what's just such well written about his character is he is deflecting and is in defense most of the time because he just had his heart broken. 
Yeah. That's like the beautiful part I know, the of it. The pinball scene really. Oh, it's so, it's it like home. this explains so much of how you'd been acting. And I don't even think be, up until that point, it's been like, he's such a bad guy. He's so, no. he's so annoying. Like such a typical dude. No, not at all. Cause he's also being very honest with her yeah. in other ways because he has a connection for sure. Um, but but there is a bit of of like when he's asking questions he he's very like sure of himself Definitely. but also that's Definitely. a that's a facade like you're saying yeah like he's he's putting up a wall that says like I'm sure of myself about this thought but he really isn't yeah yeah don't totally so when he's asking her to to spend the night with him just hanging out in Vienna you know he yeah. is, he is telling her all the things that we said like you can you you'll know what this is if you get off on the train with me this feeling this moment it doesn't yeah. have to end we can just see what happens and then we can both go on with our lives like you know having this gift for the with the rest of our lives think, think of it like time travel he says yeah but this is this is a moment we get a time travel back to and we're, we're getting to live it instead of not live this moment it's so great and she's like pretty immediately yeah okay let's do it let's do this um so and I love too, where he's like, he's like, if you think like I could be a psychopath or if you think like things get weird, you just get on the next train. You just get on the next that, train. That, you have such an easy out. Yeah. Um, I still probably wouldn't get off the train because yeah. I'm afraid of everybody, but that's not the kind of movie we're watching. So they get off the train and they're just in Vienna. In Vienna. Which the local. Which is in what, what country? Austria. I, it's in Austria. So I always forget. It, it's just so the setting is so interesting that I feel like it's like, I mean, I don't know if Richard Linklater has a personal connection to that city, but it in a way feels like a love letter to it in some ways. Yeah. Cause I feel like the it's location so romantic. The, it's just, yeah, it's so romantic. And I, I do like that they didn't go to Paris, which is, you know, a famously yeah. romantic or city. Or even like Venice or something. And if he did, that would be totally fine. Yeah. But to choose Vienna. Great. Just an interesting, great choice. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think this is a perfect time to plug our Patreon and I'll tell you why Jordan and I were watching this and we said, oh my gosh, we have to go out of the country again. But since we have a house, you know, it's harder to save uh, more money. So we are going to need to bump up our Patreon number so that we can go to Europe again. So please and thank you. Go to patreon.com slash M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W. Get bonus episodes. Unfortunately, we're not 23 anymore and own a house now and can't be as impulsive no as these characters but it was cool because on our honeymoon we were 23 so there there is this kind of like there's um a relatability to this movie that uh -huh. feels very personal uh-huh um and you know we had never met before we just and we went. just got married and went on a honeymoon to italy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um so then they they get off the train and the first thing they do is they're kind of like okay so what are we gonna do and they, they acknowledge this is weird, right? This is really awkward. It's a awkward. little awkward. Well, one of the first things she says is, what's your name? Yeah, and he says, it's Jess, or it's James, but people call me Jesse. And she's like, Jesse James? Are uh -huh. you kidding uh -huh. me? And then she says her name's Celine. Uh -huh. And they come across a couple of Austrians, mm -hmm. and they are kind of giving them a hard time. Because, because they don't speak the language, and it's like, oh, okay, well, of course, we're just going to speak English, because that's what you're expecting, right? Yeah. And, and they plug their play, which is um, Bring Me the Horns of Wilmington's Cow. Um, and it's just funny. It's like they're they're already treated like a couple right off uh -huh. the bat. Well, she, she she says that they're on their honeymoon to yeah, them. Yeah, and they, they think like, oh, no, you're not. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Um, 
So, yeah, like everyone can tell this is a new romance. Yeah, yeah. And then they get on the trolley and they ask each other questions. And the it, it's it it's funny because so think about like a superhero. A superhero is like there's like this power fantasy, you know, like if you could do all these things, all this power and stuff like that. And a lot of movies have that where you watch them and you're like, man, if only I could do that thing. This movie is that, but it's for a relationship or a time period. <laughs> yeah. Because in this relationship, they get on this trolley. First of all, it's like a five or six minute shot mm-hmm. and the camera is just sitting there with them. And it's a pretty tight shot, which means, you know, the, the relationship's becoming a tiny bit physical. Yeah. At this point. And, and um, Jesse says, okay, let's do something here. We may never see each other again, so let's say this. Let's ask each other questions, and you have to answer them completely honestly, which is this huge, like, fantasy. Like, yeah. if, if you met someone that you were you thought was so, um, like, maybe you were very attracted to, or, or even just, like, you meet a new person, and sometimes you instantly have, like... A connection. Oh, my gosh. Like, I could be best friends with uh-huh, this guy. Uh-huh. Like, this guy's cool. Yeah. I want to be best friends. And it would be cool if you could just say, hey, let's ask each other questions. Ten questions. And you have to be completely honest. Well, like the scene in Step Brothers when they realize that they're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. But it, there is like kind of a fantasy element to this movie that's very gratifying. Oh, yeah. It's so satisfying to watch Satisfying. Gratifying is... Is that a weird word to use? No, I think that's appropriate. That's okay. fine. So um, his first question for her is, what's your first sexual experience? Um, she she answers some, some boy she went to school with. Um, like sexual feelings. Team. Oh, sexual feeling. Yeah. Not, did I say sexual encounter? You said um, uh, interaction. Okay, yeah. Feelings. Yeah. So a boy from school, he was on the swim team. He liked her, but her friend liked him. It was kind of a, a dramatic little thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And then she asked, what she asked him a question, and I don't think it was specifically that one. I forget what the question was, but all he says is yes. Yeah, and then he goes, "You never said uh, we never said we had to explain." Which it. is such. It feels like such a a like a guy who is who thinks he's in control of yeah. the conversation because she is like, "No, it doesn't work that way." And of uh, course, she's he's like, "Come on." He's arguing with her, and she is pretty much like. This is full honesty. Uh-huh. I'm not going to give a five minute answer, and you can't get. You just give one second. That's yeah. not how this works. So there and is I like give and take. There, I think there's an element of he's being cheeky and he's flirting in that absolutely, way. Absolutely, absolutely. But it is it is a very interesting dynamic. It is. It is. So um, he he tell, talks about his first sexual feelings as well, and then I think they get off the trolley. They get off the trolley and they go to a record store. Uh huh. And, oh my gosh, the beauty in this scene. Yeah. They're looking at records, and they're still kind of getting to know each other. They go into a listening booth, and I just cannot believe the acting of these two these two actors. And that's when, again, they're in a, a smaller space, so they're getting even a little bit more physical. Basically, yeah. like, can I touch her arm or, like, I no. thought, I always think they're going to kiss in that scene, because it really looks like they're giving each other that look of, like... Who's gonna, gonna make the first move? Yeah, and and they're looking around the room, and it's a really long shot. It's it's um, it's not uncomfortable. It's just like it's uh, like no, exciting. It's just, again, capturing an emotion, very cathartic, so sweet. Yeah, and so it and very nostalgic, very yeah. much so. Whether or not you've even had that, well, because we stopped experience. kissing like four years ago. <laughs> Our last kiss was when we got married, right? 
Sure. Just kidding. We kiss all the time. Okay. <laughs> and then they go to a graveyard. Mm. And um, they're talking about death and stuff. And I think, you know, they talk about death and a lot of um, philosophical and psychological things throughout the movie. And I think a lot of it comes from her. Yeah, I think totally. part of it is like that is her her as a character mm-hmm. to to be even I, I think it's like she is such a curious mind when i think his character has the facade of i have it figured out totally she is figuring it out and is honest about it and that's like the the beautiful blend of these characters for one um i think also you know like she is a student so she is a has a very analytical mind as well yeah, yeah. um and she's always willing to learn things so in this graveyard she was here as a child and this is the graveyard of no names because it's bodies that wash up on the shore. And there's a specific grave that she is remembers as a child. Like this was the one that I remember the girl's name was Elizabeth. She died when she was 13. And it's weird that I'm now 10 years old. Like at the time I was 13 when I saw this and now it's 10 years later. And now it's 10 years later. Kind of funny. And then that's kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So they, they're talking about all this, these deep issues and um, deep things. And what I find is that for, for one, it's like, that's a movie. They can't just, I mean, I feel like they couldn't just be like, Hey, what's your favorite color? Blue. That would just be such a boring movie. You know, you got to get into some stuff, but again, I think it's also in that fantasy of like, if you did have one night with this random person and you were being honest with each other, Maybe you would just bare your soul like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would just let's talk about death. What do you think about it? What because I'm probably not going to see you ever again. Let's just have these intense conversations instead of this surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. So another thing. So they talk about death a lot. They also talk about love a lot. Yes. And he a lot talks about how um, he doesn't. He's not sure if he believes in love. That was the first question she asked him. Do you have you ever been in love? And that's when he said just yes. But you know, then he follows it up with, I mean, like, I ha- have I told someone I love her? Uh huh. Yes. Is it like that love where it's like I'll do anything for her, I'll die for her? It's this big, you know, unfailing thing. I don't think so. And then like later on, he says stuff like that too. And then you find out his parents hated each other. Yeah. And they they st- stayed together for as long as they could for the well-being of him and his sister. So it's like, okay, of course he might not believe in love at 23. Yep. And what's so beautiful too is, I can't remember if that's before, I think that's after they kiss in the Ferris Ferris wheel. wheel. So they're up in the Ferris wheel. It's like, I mean, could it get more romantic up there? Uh, No. Don't think so. So they seize the opportunity to kiss. And, um... Then he says this thing afterward about his parents, and she's just like, "Oh yeah, you don't believe in love." Talking about the sunset, it's so perfect, and it's like she is totally calling him out. Yeah, and he, it's like either he is just such a fake guy trying to just get this girl, or he really believes in love. Yeah, I would like to believe he believes in love. He's just afraid of it. Yeah, and I think that's the case. Oh, it, it is. Yeah, it totally is. And I like that he. And we'll get more into this in the next two movies, so I don't want to totally yeah. spoil it or anything. But but it is a, a feeling that I definitely um, could relate to to some extent, not nearly to the intensity. But but it is like, well, I don't know, like what is love? What is marriage? Like it's good for some people, and that is true. Some people it's not good for. But 
But the, this kind of wishy-washy thing where it's like, well, I'm just being more open than other people. But really, like, I think it is a lot of like, well, I just am scared of it or I don't understand it at all. Afraid or, of commitment. Yeah. All this stuff. And I and around that same scene, she talks about her parents too, which yeah. I really liked. And uh, as well, she's talking about how her, her dad's some like big shot architect that's traveled the world. But prior to that, her parents grew up being rebels, you know, rebelling against any kind of war, fighting for peace, rebelling against their strict Catholic upbringing. And then they had me and they, they became strict. And they became structured when they grew up fighting structure. Yeah. And it, it's it's just interesting because she's trying to figure that out. Yeah. Like, what is she supposed to be doing? And I, a big thing she says is, I don't know what we're fighting for. Yeah. To, to be rebellious about anything. Like, it feels like there's nothing to be fighting for anymore or against. Yeah. Which I just thought was really interesting. Totally. And um, so they... Talk about that. Okay. Then we have the palm reader. Yeah. So they're at a dinner and this palm reader comes by and she reads um, Celine's palm mm. and says, you know, you're a strong woman. You have a, a ways to go, but you're getting there. You know, all this other stuff. And uh, then she knows that they're, they had that, just met. Yes. Yeah. She knows they just met and all that stuff. And Celine's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then she reads um, Jesse's hand like briefly and she's like uh you're you're learning and just walks away and talks about how we're all stardust Mm -hmm. when the earth was born Mm -hmm. and he's you can tell uh, oh he was offended by it again yeah and again the acting yeah she's she's like that was you can tell that she's like oh that felt really nice and he's just like oh can you believe that bs like, uh, can who who has the audacity to come over here, tell you all the things you want to hear, and then she says, I'm learning. That's what she says to me. And so then you get this whole thing where, you know, earlier in the movie, he's talked about souls and mm. all this other stuff, but then right now he's, like, so closed off to the idea of... Well, someone, someone trying to judge him and figure him out. Who yeah. doesn't know him and doesn't have a right in his eyes. Yeah. And not, I mean, I don't really buy any of the palm reading stuff either. And that scene, I'm like, nice, get but it, But his dude. reaction but, is revealing the insecurities in his life. Totally. And she continues to kind of make fun of him, like, to just give him a hard time about it. Yeah. To be, like, like giving him a hard time for being so closed off. And I think it's soon after this scene when they're walking and the, the guy um, writes a poem for them. I think I know I'm skipping a little bit, but it just kind of goes in with it. Yeah. So I'll just couple it. But there's a, a man that says, I give me a word. I'll write a poem. If you like it, you can pay me. I'm not just going to ask for money. So they give him the word milkshake. He writes this poem. It's a really nice poem. Very. That's a very nice poem. However, uh, Jesse's response Actually, as they're walking away is. Let me say oh, something okay. really quick. When I, So I was sitting there and I was like, I like this whole idea. This is cool. And the the two people in the movie, they're artist types. Jordan and I are artist types. And I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, sitting on the corner and giving someone a personalized poem or in my case, a personalized song or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's interesting. I like that. And then before he said this thing, I was like, I guess I suppose if you wanted to, you could just have like four or five different poems and you could just circle through them cycle through them which is what jesse says is he probably already has a poem written out and just plops that word in it and so so again it's just like cynical 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 
But what is so funny that that Celine points out is like again on the Ferris wheel, you were so romantic and you said we're up in a Ferris wheel. I and mean, this is when is I'm setting. supposed to kiss you and yeah. stuff like that. And he's the one who really he's the catalyst to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's go, let's be time travelers, let's be romantic. And then when something romantic like this happens, he's got to be like, well, I'm a cool guy. But I think it's because he's not in control of it. Mm-hmm. He's not orchestrating the kiss or inviting oh, yeah. her off. Yeah. It's people telling him something about himself or oh, trying to get yeah. money or trying to elicit emotion out of him. Yeah. So it, show, it tells you a lot about how he views other people. And then it does kind of beg the question a little bit is how does he view her? At no point does he make her feel dumb at all or like because he's i think because he has such a deep connection with her she's like he is willing to figure her out and let her figure him out Mm -hmm. and i think because she is giving him such a hard time it is it is like that's good that she is fighting back against his like false cynicism yeah it's just great it's yeah chef's kiss is this movie Mm -hmm. come on um so then they they go to the they go to the, the a club. bar a yeah. club and they play pinball and this mm-hmm. is like one of the key mo- scenes of the whole series yeah um because they start talking a little bit more and he says you know are you with anyone Do, are you in a relationship and she, which one the first time I saw it I was like oh my gosh they could be that's yeah, crazy this could just be this strange thing yeah. that they're doing um but she says I was with someone. Um, and then th- that person broke up with her mm-hmm. and she went to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and when she was there, she, someone she didn't even like broke up with her. That was her whole thing as she hated him. She felt like, not hated was a strong word. I don't know if she used that word, but you know, like he was ugly. He hated himself. It I was felt a like, bad lay. She said, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I felt like I was doing him a favor by and going then out with him. he broke up with me. Yeah. And he said, I was getting in the way of his artistic cr- And she creativity. loved him too much. Yeah, and so she's like, oh, so she goes to this a therapist, I think, Mm. Um, and she says to the therapist, like, I've planned how to murder this man. No, 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 it's a story she wrote. She wrote a story about a woman planning to murder a man. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And 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 in a way, she's just saying, like, I just wrote this, and it's... She's working through it. This is me working through it, and the therapist says, oh my gosh, I have to call the police and stuff like that. You're gonna kill this person. And, And so... I mean, I now I kind of lost my train of thought, but well, she's just like someone's telling her that she's hysterical because this breakup is so like it hurt her so much, and she's just like, no, I just I'm processing it. Yeah. I, I'm a write. I like to write. Yeah, and and so then it's Jesse's turn to and bring he's like, it up. Ah, we managed to avoid this for so long. Yeah, and he says, I was not here just on vacation. I was visiting my girlfriend in Madrid in Madrid. And she, I could tell pretty clearly I couldn't like spend time alone with her. Yeah. We haven't seen each other for six months or something like that. He pretty much made it sound like he spent a couple days with her and her friends to make her feel bad for how bad she was making him feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he left. Uh, that that's what you got out of it that that was his intention not not necessarily i I think that if anything he's saying that to make himself feel better oh okay because yeah i i it to me it it sounds like he he went there and then he's like what the heck am i doing this sucks i spent all this money and stuff 
and I'm here. Yeah. And I've been here for, you know, a few days and you won't even yeah. be with me. Yeah. So then he bought the cheapest flight he could, which out. leaves out of yeah. Vienna. Yeah. And he um, was just kind of hanging out until then. I love it. Yeah. And uh, it's, I think he was a little bit better at pinball than her because they okay. switch quite a lot and, yeah. and she, she doesn't last as long. So, which leads into their conversation about feminism and sex walk is what I wrote because they're talking about, you know, he's mentioning how, uh, there's, there's a breed of monkeys that just like has sex all the time and they don't, uh, there's no baggage. There's no baggage. There's no claiming one person. And, and she, she says this thing, which I love. It's so funny when this movie is also very funny, Uh um, where she says, you know, sometimes I think that feminism was invented so that men could just sleep around. Yeah. <laughs> Which she's being facetious. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But it, it is funny where she's like, woman, be free and stuff like that so we can have sex with you and then move on to the next girl. Yeah. And stuff like that. And um, all of this stuff, you know, the the eternal struggle between man and woman is, is very interesting and... I don't feel like this conversation gets even close to like uh it's it's a progressive conversation I I feel like I mean they're just Did figuring it that? out as they're talking about it cuz she says stuff kind of throughout a move, the movie about how like women don't need men jokingly and stuff and he eventually just kind of asks her like so you hate men right based based on how she had been talking about men throughout the movie and um she she's just like no 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 i don't you like I, I just am not articulating it well and i think because she's also still trying to figure out how she feels yeah about feminism about herself and about men i think it's just uh it's a continually continuously evolving feeling that she's having and that you figure out throughout the rest of your life yeah and i think is this when they go to the church after they, they've actually already been to the church because i really like the church part too. So they go to like a cathedral and it's just very interesting because they both are clearly not religious. They just say that kind of throughout mm-hmm. the movie, but they are talking about, I would say both of them agree on how interesting this, this place attracts bad people and good people, mm-hmm. how it attracts so many people like that. Um, and how she, she finds it that is beautiful. Yeah. He seems like, um, he hasn't really thought about it. Yeah. And, soon and so then i think after the the belly dancer scene that you were referring to as well they're hanging out in an alley for a little bit and i really like what she says about um you know she's not religious Mm -hmm. but if she does believe in a god she believes that you know it's it's not it's not like what's within us but god's between us like right now with the specific conversation they were having i can't remember the specific conversation but she was just saying i feel like god's right here between us yeah. And he doesn't even respond because I feel like it was just so profound. What do you say <laughs> to something like that? But I, I, it wasn't like an awkward silence. No. It was just like a, hmm, I need to think about that. Yeah. And then they continued walking. <laughs> um, there's also, he says this great line that at the time when I first saw this movie, I was like, I, that I understand and I get where he says, I'd rather die uh, doing something excellent and good this is when they're oh, talking that's about that's with the conversation go okay. ahead go ahead yeah and they're, they're talking about marriage and stuff like that and yes. how like it's you know kind of this whole idea you know like maybe we should rethink it kinda, and he's talking about being a dad yeah and he says i'd rather die knowing i did something great and excellent than being like a good guy 
And what's so, and, and he does clarify, he's like, not that I think marriage is bad or that I think being a dad is not fulfilling or bad. I just don't know if that's for me. And then he says what you said, but then she says she had uh, this experience with a a man in his fifties where he, he told her that he was like 52. He was very accomplished in whatever his chosen career path was, Uh but that was it. And he felt, he admitted that he felt like he had nothing to offer. So like he became a very accomplished person, but he had nothing to show for it. Cause I think he sacrificed having a family for doing something like that. So she just, well, and, and what, yeah. what I wanted to say, too, is that he, like, when I first saw the movie, I was like, I agree with him. Yeah. Like, that's how yeah. I feel about my life. Yeah. I want to be a musician, and I want to be known for that. And the older I get, I mean, it's still a constant struggle. Yeah. But the older I get, the more I'm like, no, I want to be a good husband. Yeah. Eventually, I'd like to be a good father. And then under those things, I'd like to be a good musician. Mm-hmm. A good podcaster as well. But, <laughs> yeah. um. I don't know. It's just, uh, no, I think what he says is so true that, you know, it's like, for, it's that for, naivety again though. You yeah, know? no, it is. It is. Um, so then there's the phone call in the restaurant. Mm. You want to talk about this a little bit? Sure. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Okay. I'll cover the phone call. Okay. So, um, again, it, I can't overstate how good their acting is. This felt like the actors came up with this. I'm sure they this did. way of conversation. It feels, I mean, all their dialogue feels like they're genuinely, the characters are coming up with what they're saying when mm-hmm. they say it. Mm-hmm. But this one feels like, I wouldn't be surprised to learn if this scene was improvised, is how this uh-huh. scene feels. Uh-huh. Um, so Selena puts up a handphone and she says, ring, 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 I'm calling my friend. Ring, 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 ring. And then he picks it up and they she's able to kind of bear her soul and, and about talk about- About how she feels about him about how she feels about him and then he does the same thing with her pretending to be his friend and they're basically able to say that they've pretty much fallen for each other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um as soon after they're like well we shouldn't sleep together because that'll ruin the magic of this moment they don't say that at the park though is that at a different time um i don't know exactly okay because i do like what she says about that yeah later well, just say, we can just say. Oh, no. well, I mean, that's, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they're in the park. They'd had wine. They're. It's, that's what it's, I'm it's getting amorous. Yeah. And she says that I don't think we should sleep together because it'll, like you just said, it'll ruin the magic. It will feel like just another fling, just another girl that you slept with slash guy. And since you know? we'll have ne- never see each other again. Yeah, and, and then she like, says, "I'll think about you with other women, and I don't yeah. want to." Yeah. They do have sex, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, the phone call stuff. Yeah. That is like, do you, it's like, it feels like yet no one can write this. That's how it feels. Yeah. It's so real Yeah, and sweet. And I think soon after that they have, they go to a boat dinner. Yeah. And that's when she says, do you think we'll ever see each other again? Yes. And they talk about like, let's be adults. This will fizzle. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to fly over there. You're not going to c- fly over here. I mean, they say they will, but they're like, but we know we won't. Yeah. And they're like, let's make it a magical night. Then let's, we still have a little bit of time. And so and they say their goodbyes right there. Yeah. Cause it'll be hard to do it later. Yeah. And, um, then they go to a bar and they don't have any money. Really? She mm-hmm. steals two glasses and he leans to the bartender and he says, I know that this sounds crazy, but that, you see that girl over there? He's like, yeah. And he goes, we have one night together and we're never going to see each other again. I have no money, but 
you give me the address to this place, I will send you money. And he says, I, I just know, but I, I, I really will. I really will. Can you please give us a bottle of wine? And the guy is just like, okay. And I'm just like, you rule, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's like, you have no idea. I mean, you do. That man has done one of the biggest acts of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go and they have a wonderful night. When, and the camera pans away. We don't see that part of it. Yeah. Um, and then the next morning, they're walking around. They hear a harpsichord playing. They um, they talk about something he says that I very much relate to the older I get, where he says, you know, I think people get sick of themselves. Yeah. And he says, y- you're, you can never, like, when I go to the movies, I'm always there with myself at the movies. When I go to a friend's house, I'm always there. And I can never get away from myself. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't think I related to this when I first watched this movie, but I relate to it now where it's like, boy, it would be great to have a day off from this jabroni over here. I I relate to that as well. Yeah. So that might be the most mature thought that, that or the most, um, the most relatable the movie felt to me at this time uh-huh. in my life. The beautiful thing about these movies is like, I almost feel like we could go, hey, in five years, if we're still doing the podcast, let's cover the series again. And we would talk about completely different things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the great. We would look, we would listen to our podcast and we'd be like, oh my gosh, look, listen to those two babies being stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they go to the train. Anything else you want to cover before that? No. So, first of all, a, a little director greatness in the movie he shows the city in the morning Uh and he's showing all the spots they were at Uh and it's just so like it's like come on man that's so good because the 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 night was so romantic and to me it it felt like the romance is gone and the it it feels like the city is now um like regenerating and Mm -hmm. then another romantic night is going to happen again Mm -hmm. and it felt like his way of saying like they are now back in real time yes. to which Ethan Hawke yes. even says it's real time again. Yes. We're, we're out of that time traveling moment. Yeah. And oh my gosh, when they're walking to her train, they're both just you visibly freaking out. Like she is about to cry. You can tell. And I think he is too. And oh, yeah. they get to her car, cab, whatever. Um, and, it's just like, do we really have to do this? Yeah. And it's so stressful because this, the train is about to leave. It's so stressful when they're just keep saying like, it's going to leave any minute. It's going to leave any minute. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Do it now, please. I'm like, there, there's no time to take out a piece of paper and write down your address. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um. So. No cell phone. <laughs> no cell phone. No nothing. Well, they do have phones. But. So. He. They're basically like, okay, screw it all. We, I know we said we weren't going to be yeah. romantic and idyllic, but... This doesn't have to be the last time we have to see each other. I think he's like, what if I said that? And she pretty much is like, I was hoping you'd say that. And he's, he's like, like, how come you... say it earlier? She's like, I didn't want you to... I, I was afraid that you didn't feel the same way, which she does kind of throughout the night about things. Uh-huh. Um, so they're trying to scramble to figure this out. And, you know, he's like, okay, in uh, in five years. And she's like, five years? And he's no, like, oh. she says that. And oh, he's like, five years? That's way too long. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And she's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then he eventually settles on. Well, they both settle on six months. Yeah. They will come back to this train station, to this specific platform, to the specific car. 
Yeah. This is where they will meet in six months. He's like, he's like, okay, this is a training ride for you. This is a plane ride for me. So we need to be here. Like this is a big commitment to do that. Yeah. And she says, I'll be there. And he and says, he, I'll be there. And he says, no writing, no calling. And they're both like, yeah, because we hate that stuff. Like uh-huh. it'll, it's just, it's not, not good enough. We need to be together. So that's the plan. She gets on the train he is going on the bus to get to the airport. There is a moment when she gets on the train. As a movie watcher, you're conditioned to think yep, he is yep. running on the running on the train to be with her and go to Paris with her and never go back home. And and knowing that this movie was never intended to be a trilogy, exactly. You're like, oh, maybe they're going to turn around. I mean, probably if you're familiar with his other three movies, you're probably not thinking that. If you're a Linklater yeah. fan at the time, because yeah. he likes to capture a moment. Yeah. And this movie is and a moment. And it would definitely weaken the movie if that happened. If it was a cookie uh, yeah. cutter, like wrap the bow kind of thing. And we probably wouldn't get two amazing no. masterpieces and after it. it it's, it's like, I, I think, I mean, I think there is a, a sizable population of movie watchers who need close-ended stories. Yeah. But like, just if you're, if you're that person who needs the closure, try to be okay with this kind of movie where it technically doesn't have that kind of closure you're used to in a story. It is closure. Yeah. Well, the, this is not um, the closure uh, that maybe you want, but it, but again, this movie is about a moment and it's about a feeling and that moment and feeling, there is absolutely a conclusion to those two yeah. things. Yeah. So the conclusion doesn't have to be them being together. It's that the whole- Or them like breaking up. The moment- and the evening was bigger than them as characters. That's yeah. the whole point. That's why it's like beautiful and there is closure to the story. Yeah. That this is how it ended. So obviously from our conversation, he does not go on the train. He gets on the plane. She gets uh-huh. on the train. They go their separate ways. He goes back to America. She goes to Paris. And the last couple of shots, it's just enough to make you want to ball your eyes out because it's so beautiful. The culmination of this. He is sitting on the bus just smiling to himself. Uh-huh. Like like trying to sleep, but you know he's not going to sleep. And she and does the same. She's trying to read her book on the train. There's no effing way she's reading that book. She's uh-huh. gazing out the window, thinking about all the things. And what I love, too, is before that, when they were listening to the harpsichord, uh, yeah. he took a picture of her, a mental picture, where he just stared Which at her. Which they ripped off in the office. Sure. I'm just kidding. Um, and that is so beautiful, too. So it's like he's probably closing his eyes right now and seeing that picture. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And then it says, directed by Richard Linklater. Yeah. Or I think it says before sun, Sunrise, and then it says that. And that's the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Now, Jordan, I'm dying to know. Because right when we finish the movie, so sometimes our, our, our loyal and lovely listeners and newbies, welcome to the show. Um, sometimes we turn off a movie that we've watched and we'll talk about it for like 20 minutes, even though we don't have the mics on. Um, and, and then sometimes we'll be like, let's not talk at all. This one, I was like, we'll talk a little bit, but don't tell me everything that you think about this movie, Jordan, cause I want to get it on mic. And what I really wanted to know is, do you think they show up and what, what do you think like the next movie is about since you Can have I not say seen both it? what I think? Yes. Yeah. Two thoughts. So one, I think there's a possibility where they don't one of them doesn't show up or both of them don't show up because of the fizzle mm-hmm. because six months i know that's not that long but for relationships that it, that could be a long time yeah where they both don't make it there maybe they meet someone else in uh-huh. those six months and the rest is history in terms of that part of the story yeah 
And then the next one, they find each other again somehow. I have no idea. Or in six months, they are there and they're just together. And, and, that, and that's like, what before... Like they've been together for eight years, like yes. eight and a half years. Yes. I can see both possibilities, but I'm sure there's another, it's another possibility <laughs> that I haven't even thought of. Well, um, do you have one you're leaning toward? I'm just... No. I'm curious. No, genuinely no. So, Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm so excited to watch it again. I remember liking it more than this movie. That's crazy. Um Yeah, and I I think I think even Roger Ebert shared that opinion. Oh. So you know our tagline, we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. We got a good contender. This we got we've had like a couple series in a row where the first one has not been the best one. Um so one thing we forgot to do, I don't know why I keep, because I kind of try to keep track of this. We forgot to rank our Dark Knight movies for for our previous. D- Two, one, three. Mine is, oh, it's different. Mine is uh, Dark Knight number one, uh, Dark Knight Rises number two, Batman Begins number three. I can like Batman Begins a little bit better this time for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I just, as we have talked about before, I think I finally understood a lot of the the nitty gritty. Yeah, that added a lot to the character characters for it's me. Like like last week, we did talk about how there are a lot of problems with Dark Knight Rises, but uh-huh. it's just too pretty of a movie, and I I just like the attempt at the very least. It's a little more ambitious. Sure, it is a big movie. Well, I don't know if it's as ambitious as Batman Begins, but it, it's just a little bit better, I think. Yeah, but um, they're all so great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Do we have anything else to cover? No. Well, I, I will plug for all of you. If you would be so kind as to go to Spotify or, uh, whatever you listen to and listen to my new release, the first family, which is old songs that have been remixed and have new tracks on them and sound, uh, like a hundred percent better They're than so they good. used to sound. So please give that a listen and please share it with some people. Your friends helps me out a lot. And uh, boy, I hate release days. That they are so hard yeah. on my mental health because because yeah. you 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 just never know what's going on. And yeah. I also did a show that's on YouTube and anyone can watch it. The first family release concert. Um, it's really cool. I worked really hard on it. So please check really, that out. Really really good. And again, you can go to Patreon. Link is in the description. And I'll put the. I'll put the first family show in the in the show notes as well, so you can click that and watch cool. it. Um, but next week, we are going to cover Before Sunset. Oh yeah, and on Patreon we covered uh, the Batman 1966 movie this month. So you're welcome. It's good that movie rules, but we're not going to tell you anymore. Tell you download it by spending three dollars a month. Love you guys. See you at sunset. 